characters at the table by Steve Searcy. Some traditions just happen. You're not sure why you and your family do a certain thing a certain way, but you let it go because it's just a tradition. And then there are traditions that you know exactly when they started and who's to blame. In this case, it was my grandmother's fault. That we know for sure. She started it. Later, my grandfather would make sure the misery was perpetuated for years. It all began this Saturday before Thanksgiving. We were cleaning up the dishes from dinner and discussing the upcoming holiday. Well, Annie, why don't you just come on over whenever you're ready on Thanksgiving? Don't wait till dinner time, my grandmother said to Annie. Annie then looked up and, smiling, said, Well, that'd be great. Thanks, Jane. What do you want me to bring? Now, I don't know what Grandma was thinking or why she responded the way she did. Maybe she was distracted. Maybe she had nipped the sherry a little bit too much that night. Perhaps she assumed that no one could screw up a salad. Whatever she was thinking, she should have known better. Oh, Annie, why don't you just bring a salad? And that was that. The wheels were set in motion for 27 years of culinary misery. Annie had been in our family since before I was born. We were not related. She was a stray, but she was given all the privileges that family membership could bestow. She had her designated seat at every holiday celebration and event. We lavished her with hugs and kisses, and she reciprocated. She was, for all intensive purposes, a bonus grandmother, and a good one. The way we came to adopt her is a big mystery. She was widowed rather young and worked at the local gas company until she retired. She lived in an old farmhouse and spent her days reading True Detective magazine. It was an ugly little publication, printed on newsprint with absolutely horrible, ghastly photographs. The window drapes were pinned shut so that not a ray of light seeped in. The glass panels on the front door had been covered over with butcher paper to assure security. A glowing yellow lampshade and the dancing light from a black and white television provided all the illumination she needed for her criminal voyeurism. Over the years, we had become accustomed to Annie and her peculiar nature, and she in turn had become accustomed to us. As we enjoyed a meal, it was not uncommon for Annie's body to emit noises of all kinds. A resounding belch might erupt from her into the table, and yet no one would flinch, and she would not feel obligated to say a word. Not, excuse me, whoops, or there she blows. Our response was always predictable. Uh, can someone please pass the gravy? That was it. It was just Annie. Table conversation was a challenge with Annie. Locked away as she was in her criminal library, there was not much variety to draw from. There was the customary, Mmm, this sure tastes good, and whew, Boy, the weather sure has been hot, but that was about it, if you were lucky. If you were unlucky, someone at the table had let their guard down. They had heard Annie mumble something and had responded in a polite way with, I beg your pardon? What? 
to which she would respond something like, well, that's like the evidence in the DeMarso case, to which the questioner would look totally confused. But in the spirit of kindness, Annie would begin recounting the gruesome details of the case. The body was found in the closet, completely drained of blood. The, the severed head, though, was found in the ice box. They never did find the feet. Well, that's interesting. Pass the chicken, would you please? We didn't flinch. It was Annie. She could not cook. It was a long-established fact. Oh, she did a great job of chilling down a coke after you had mowed her yard. And she always had wonderful chewy cookies from the store, the kind with coconut and chocolate. But she could not cook, and now Grandma had asked her to bring a salad. Well, in Grandma's defense, what could go wrong with a salad? In any world, plenty. She arrived that Thanksgiving with a white bowl covered in aluminum foil. No one asked. For all we knew, it was evidence from the DeMarzo case. She placed it in the refrigerator, and that was that, until 2 p.m. It was time to eat, and she brought it out. It was not green. It was white, with pastel bumps and shavings of something. It was a salad of Annie's own concoction. Sour cream, mayonnaise, cream cheese, pastel marshmallows, shredded coconut, walnuts, orange slices, pineapple, and black olives. It began its way around the table, eyes rolled and eyebrows raised. <clears throat> well, Grandma asked, what do you call your salad, Annie? Heavenly hash, Annie responded. Grandpa, always the sport, said, I love hash, and heaped a spoonful of the stuff into his mouth. And that was that. All Annie would remember for the next 27 years was that Grandpa said, I love hash, as he put a spoonful into his mouth. It was a picture that stuck in her mind. It was the inducement she had been waiting for. And so, for the better part of the next two and a half decades, we smiled and nodded and hid great mounds of that salad under our mashed potatoes, slices of bread. We even hid it under our napkins. We'd blink and wink at the person sitting next to us, imploring them not to pass that bowl of stuff. Please don't share it. Just set it down. But it was a ruthless table. The unspoken truth, if I have to eat this stuff, so do you. It was a kamikaze kind of table. We'll all go down with this ship. And so that assured that everyone got a dose of Annie's salad. And proud as punch, the following Thanksgiving, Annie brought that white bowl mounted over with heavenly hash that came to be known as Annie's salad. These days we have wonderful Thanksgiving celebrations. They're filled with love, laughter, and good food. But there's one ingredient missing. Those characters like Annie, Uncle Ross, who preferred his meat raw. Well, I'd just as soon it still be mooing or clucking or something. Aunt Helen, whose two giant hearing aids would occasionally feed back on each other, producing the equivalent of a, 
car alarm and she would begin screaming, It's in my ears! It's in my ears! It's in my ears! And then there was Uncle Skeet, who quoted the Old Testament, cussed like a sailor, and when I was 12 years old, got about three inches in front of my face and advised me, Skin is sin, Stevie. Skin is sin. That little rhyme stuck with me and almost ruined me as a young man. Characters like these are gone, and I miss that. They were real characters. You don't find that anymore. Really odd people. We have, in a way, been homogenized. They were an important part of our Thanksgiving celebration. They were a condiment that made Thanksgiving more than a meal. It was an event. The strange people, the arguing, the odd sounds, and Annie's salad. Well, this Thanksgiving, I wish you love, laughter, good food, and strange people. With these ingredients, your celebration will be nothing but delightful. Now, ordinarily, this is where this little essay would end, but there's more. Before I post these little word gems, I have my children listen or read them. Certain of my boys are critical of everything I do. If I gain their disapproval and scorn, I know I have done well and hit my mark. Another son always has helpful suggestions. This time, however, there was unanimous agreement among my critics. The entire premise of my story was wrong. I was way off base. An odd and strange person still shows up at our table, Dad. You, you're there, and you're strange. Okay, I stand corrected. And quite frankly, I'm thrilled to be in such company. Happy Thanksgiving.